0: Greetings, Amigops and Top Teners everywhere. Welcome back to another episode of Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I am your co-host, Kyle. Opposite me today is your lovely co-host, Michael, and your very favorite guest, Mike's wonderful father, Jerry. This week, as we do every week, we have a Top Ten list prepared. This week, it's Mike's list He's put it together i don't know what it is but we have our favorite consultant on the show to lend his expertise between the three of us we will debate vigorously until by the end of this hopefully compact podcast we will have arrived at definitive top 10 mike what are we talking about
1: Alright, K Dog. As you said, we're joined this evening by our hooded guest, Jerry. He's is in Dementor Garb this evening. I feel like I'll never be um, cheerful
0: again. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you.
1: You know, you know who we really need right now, actually? If, since we're in a prisoner of Azkaban mood, we need expositioning the like exposition. <laughs> it's like trying to catch smoke. It's like trying to catch smoke with your bare hands. Um no, we're joined by Jerry. So actually, in a, in a slight twist to the guest format, he does not have the topic this evening. I do. Jerry does not know what the topic is. But we have brought him in as an expert because he is very well versed in this evening's topic. He knows what the hell he's talking about. We are going to be talking about Seinfeld this evening. Oh, boy. So we are awesome. specifically going to be reprising the format we used on Parks and Rec because like parks and rec seinfeld is a show of wonderful secondary characters we are going to be talking about the top 10 best most memorable
0: secondary seinfeld characters this is going to be great i just wish that i had seen I, i'm not like i'm not deep into seinfeld like i am some other shows i probably like the i can think of four or five Seinfeld experts in my life and unfortunately I'm not one of them. I feel bad that Dylan and Cam aren't on this podcast.
1: I feel slightly bad but I do think it's important to note for the listeners that we have fan number one sitting right next to me. Jerry and I (laughs) spent a lot of my childhood watching the six o'clock to eight o'clock four episode power block on TBS and the best part about the power block that I always noticed is that it's not in any sort of order. Like, Jerry's right. not dating girl A through those four episodes. He's got a different girlfriend in all four. He's in 1992 in one, 1994 in the next, 98, 96. It's out of order. It's random. It's a really cool way to watch a show. And we, we watched basically between 30 minutes and, you know, 120 minutes of Seinfeld at night for... Ten years, yeah, and
2: it repeated pretty often. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, you you would get sometimes
2: you'd see the same show every three months, something like right? that. Probably because it was such overexposure. But yeah, big fan. Yeah, love the topic. I
1: think I think the cool thing about Seinfeld too, about watching it that way, is that there's certain episodes that are real gems. That you don't get a lot, like for some reason I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's no reason. It's just something that you think. There's certain episodes you feel like you've seen a bunch, and there's certain like the Junior Mint that you see very rarely. But when you catch the Junior Mint episode, it's just so exciting. It's very refreshing. <laughs> it is very refreshing. I, I
2: feel like too for the for the marginal Seinfeld fans, the episodes that you're talking about, everybody knows them. Yeah, I mean, even if, if they, they haven't just, seen yeah, them, yeah, they, they're just familiar with. Certain things that have uh, made their way into the language and the, the, I guess, what do we want to call it? The pop culture pop lexicon. Culture, yeah, of the, of the day. So, the
0: zeitgeist.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. I think also for any listeners who are not Seinfeld fans, this will probably go over your head, but... Do yourself a damn favor and watch some Seinfeld because yeah. this show. I, I today I I love a lot of TV. There's no show that that I feel as passionate about as I, I do about Seinfeld. It's probably partially because it reminds me of growing up and it reminds me of spending time with my parents because my mom is also a big Seinfeld fan. Must be noted, but it just it holds up. Some of the scenarios that they put the characters in are not relevant to today's world, like trying to catch a movie together. You know, it doesn't exactly work because we have cell phones, but the basic idea of trying to make plans with friends and it not working out, that holds up. The exact mechanics of it, a little different, but the way that this show thinks about, you know, life is is still very relevant and hilarious. Michael and I were talking earlier about how the Ringer podcast talks about what
2: what plays well today and what doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, what, what from a movie from whatever is, is okay, acceptable and what now seems so offensive. And one of the things that I think I always enjoyed about Seinfeld is that there, there's a certain selfishness to all of the characters. Yes. But they're really never, they're never mean. Uh, yeah. So, so in that sort of way, I feel like you could watch the show 20 years from now and it would still be funny because, you know, the situation might change, but they'd still be dealing with the basic issues of friendships and, and yeah. obligation and all that stuff. Um, can I just interrupt for one second and say congratulations to you guys? I know I was listening to the cast the other day and it's over a year and that's pretty, uh, pretty amazing that you guys have stuck with it. And as a fan and interested party um, the show just keeps getting better and better. And congratulations. I, you're, you're developing uh, skills and and it's really fun as a listener. Wish I could be on more, but we don't have to get into that right now. I'd, I'd like to be part of the success. That's really what this is about. I, wa- I want to someday be able to tell my grandkids that, you know, I remember when and I was, I had a, a a large role in the development of it. So unless you have me on more, you'll rob me of that. But anyway, congratulations.
0: <laughs> you well, guys are awesome. Well, well, thanks, Jerry. That means a lot. I, or someone whose opinion I respect quite a bit. So to know that you're an avid fan and you, like the podcast means a lot, so thank you. Thank you, Jerry.
1: You're welcome. It does mean a, a lot. Nice work, man. All right, boys. We ready to roll into this?
0: Yeah. So my question is: Yes, there are obviously four main characters in Seinfeld, and then yeah. I can think of a a small number of characters recurring characters that I might not consider major, but aren't minor. I guess this this the number of major characters on Seinfeld are small enough that can we maybe just define them up front?
1: Anybody but the four. Okay. So this list, so this is a list of anybody but the four because even the characters who appear a lot on this show don't appear anywhere near as often as the main characters. So I, I actually, one of the things we're going to talk about is the number of episodes these characters appear in. So I think that the show broadcasts like 200 episodes, something like that. And the closest per, the closest number of appearances to the main four characters is one character who appeared in a hundred episodes. It's the woman who sits behind the cash register at Monk's Diner, and I did not include her for consideration because she only talks a couple times. She's actually funny when she does, but other than that, the next closest number of episodes is
0: 45.
1: So there's, the drop-off is steep.
0: Do any of the four major characters not appear in any episode? I would have to look again.
1: I think that there's... There may be an episode without a lane. She goes on a fake trip because she was pregnant.
0: The very first season, I, I don't think she's in all of them, right? Because they break up and like,
1: yeah, but what... that's also possible. I'd have to look, but it's yeah. but it's pretty darn close to those four every episode, and that's really the only constant, which is part of why the the random characters are so fun.
0: Awesome, let's do it. What's number ten? Who's number ten?
1: Uh, number ten is actually a group of people. It's the Mandelbombs. <laughs> so. So the Mandelbombs are a family of very comically old men who live down in Florida near the Seinfelds, near Jerry's parents. So (laughs) Jerry ends up in these increasingly ridiculous situations where... He's being trained by this old guy named Izzy Mandelbaum, who's played by, um, come on. It's a, it's not Charlton Heston. It's some crazy old, it's some crazy old actor who, who really should have been dead by then. And Jerry's training with this guy and he keeps calling Jerry Butterbean and Stringbean. And he's telling him how out of shape he is. And he keeps saying it's go time.
0: Clear from a quick Google that that is his catchphrase.
1: Yes, he says it's go time. So anytime Jerry disappoints him with his physical fitness, he says it's go time. Eventually he throws his back out. Jerry then meets this other old guy who he assumes is Izzy's friend, but it's actually his son who's also really old. Then he meets another guy who's also really old after he gets in a situation with that son and he gets hurt too. And this guy is actually Izzy's dad and the Youngest old guy's grandfather, (laughs) so he meets all these Mandelbombs who are always trying to pick stuff up that they can't pick up. They're getting in all kinds of mischief. One of the episodes ends with Izzy dragging Jerry behind his car because he wants Jerry to run while tethered to the car, and he's dragging him and he's bouncing off the ground. (laughs) It's fantastic. It is. It's one of the Bridges. I forget.
2: It's Jeff
0: Bridges' dad. I forget his name. Bridges. Bridges. Oh yeah, that's fine.
2: Pretty. They're funny to me, I guess, for a whole lot of reasons. But one of the reasons I enjoy them so much is, in a weird sort of way, it reminds me of a dynamic when my dad, Michael, and I are together because you have a grandfather, a father, and, and we're not <laughs> as close in age as you know these guys are. But, oh, my God, the competition. It, to me, it yeah. strikes a chord because my dad is 80 years old. Michael's known him for his 25 years mm-hmm. so since he's in his mid-50s. No matter what you're doing, <laughs> no matter what, he's stronger than you. He, he can ice. work harder than you. He's, he, whatever it is, you're weak. And I think that's for me, one of the things that makes him so endearing is I, I can't help but project our situation into theirs and it makes me smile. Yeah. I can see we're the three all, of us one bomb. day being the
1: Mandelbobs. I think we might be already just yeah. too young. Yeah. You guys are certainly good anyway. enough. <laughs> no it's not about the fitness it's about the competition is the big thing and the mandel bombs are nuts but long story short jerry ends up visiting all three of them in the hospital and they're all three in beds and they're chanting mandel bomb mandel bomb mandel, because they're so proud of themselves they only appear in two episodes wow yes two episodes their impact is felt very strongly this the, the sort of uh stunt appearance of lloyd bridges is big but the the catchphrase is it's go time and the Mandelbaum chant is just it's classic. And Butterbean. Yes, calling him Butterbean <laughs> is great. <laughs> Cause
2: Seinfeld is fit. I mean he's soft. Yeah, but which, he's in good shape. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. He's just he's
1: just soft and they're gonna man him up, which yeah. is kind of funny. I like it. Alright, so that's the Mandelbaums. So we're actually we're doing a quick two person little Uh, streak here of characters who only appeared in very few episodes. The next is a character who appeared in only one episode, but it was such a notable appearance that he deserves a place on this list, and that is Alton Bennis, a.k.a. Elaine's dad. So, the actor who played Elaine's dad only appears on the show one time. He's mentioned sort of like in passing because Elaine's father is a famous writer, is the backstory. So he's mentioned a few times. She's in the publishing industry, so he sort of comes up from time to time, but he only appears once. The reason he only appears once on this show is because the actor who played him, and I didn't know this full story until recently, he stole a butcher's knife from the butcher block in Jerry's fake apartment which I think must have inspired the Kramer stealing the nuts storyline later. Yeah. So he steals a butcher knife. Somebody in the crew kind of calls him on it. And he starts holding it over his head and pretending to reenact the psycho scene on Jerry. And this is a real butcher knife. Oh, geez. The guy was so nuts that they never invited him back because he just they couldn't handle having this guy on the show. But he's in one of the funniest episodes of all time. Which is that he's coming to town and Elaine has to get dinner with him but she doesn't like spending time with him because he's nuts. And so she invites George and Jerry and she's late and so the two of them end up sitting in this hotel bar just waiting with him for like an hour. And he's telling them stories about Korea. He asks Jerry what he does. He says he's a comedian. He goes, oh, funny man. We had one of those in Korea. Tail gunner. Got his brains blown out over the Pacific. Nothing funny about that.
2: (laughs) He's terrifying, and it's funny to know the backstory because he's terrifying to Seinfeld and Costanza, but in real life, he's terrifying. It makes you wonder how much. Like, of, did they even write this, or did this guy just freak them out? Yeah, I don't know. It it sure feels like yeah. He, he's like a he's like a what you would imagine a drill sergeant, like a highly accomplished. Yeah. I don't know, four star general who happens to be. Uh, training recruits. He, he's just got an edge to him and his voice and it's, he's great. So, he's really great.
0: So the actor's name is Lawrence Tierney. And for someone else's point of reference, he is the, I can't remember his character's name, but he's the ringleader, like the guy that organizes the whole heist in Reservoir Dogs. What That's do you mean right. you don't tip that guy? He is? Which means, which yes. like to me, that's exactly what he seems like, like this mob boss who kind of knows a bunch of seedy characters and has a yep. uh, a lot of fingers and a bunch of different pies. It's <laughs> um, He's a scary actor, <laughs> and it seems like he's a scary person, too.
1: Oh, he was nuts. And so just like the scenario just keeps ramping up and he keeps scaring them. Jerry has just gotten a new suede jacket and it starts to snow outside and they're going to go walk out. So Jerry doesn't want to ruin his jacket. So he turns it inside out, but it has this pink sort of like candy stripe. And he tells Mr. Bennis, tells him he's not going outside and walking with his daughter dressed like that. And Jerry's so intimidated that he turns the coat back right side out and ruins his suede coat just because he's so scared of Mr. Bennis. It's great. He's there. George is singing Master of the House from Les Mis. Mm. And he hears him singing it. And he's like making fun of him. And he's like, well, you you like chorus songs? The episode ends with him with Mr. Bennis driving in the car singing Master of the House. And he's like singing it in his own car. It's incredible. Yeah. Everything about that episode. It's, it's an all time episode. I like it. All right, that brings us to number eight. One of the more frequently recurring characters, Jay Peterman.
0: I know who this is.
1: Yeah, Jay Peterman is one of the more famous characters. Jerry, do you want to explain Jay Peterman? So Jay Peterman runs a catalog, <laughs> and he is
2: an adventurer, and he's been all around the world. He's tried everything. Including opium. Including opium. Yep. Um He's just... <laughs> He's just so endearing. Cause he's a screw up, but somehow he's managed to be successful. Yeah. And everything he's involved in is just doesn't there's no straight
1: line with his character or what he's doing. He has the remember he buys the cake. He has the he has the cake from some queen or king's or duke's wedding. Yep. He takes his trips to Burma slash Myanmar, where he gets back on the yam-yam. He, he bought the JFK golf club. Yes, he bought, I right? forgot he bought, he gets, he, um, allows Elaine to bid for the JFK golf clubs for him. He's just, he, you're right. I never thought of it that way. He is a screw up. Yeah. He, but, so my favorite, my favorite Jay Peterman incident of all time is when he authorizes, uh, a bio or a memoir <laughs> and he's going to have Elaine ghostwrite the memoir for him. But all his stories are too boring. So he buys Kramer's stories. Yes. And he says he's going to do his tales of erotica. And he tells (laughs) Elaine, feel free to slip yourself in there. And he's just him interacting with Kramer is so priceless because they're just they're so different. Kramer is so it's as though he has no self-consciousness at all. And Peterman is just such like a pompous ass.
2: Yeah, Peter, Peterman's like weirdly well traveled and and sort of successful, but a screw up and wealthy, but so he's been around, but he doesn't really get much of anything. It it just, he's great. That, that,
0: he's got a lot of great episodes. I like when (laughs) Kramer's at a bar and someone's like, Kramer, tell that story. And he (laughs) starts to, and you're like, ah, 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 and he can't tell it. He gets so frustrated. Yeah. So the guy's name is John O'Hurley, and I can't tell you what else he's from to visualize him because it looks like his entire career he's basically spent doing voices on TV. So you, he's got, he does have a great voice. You might know him best as uh, King Neptune in SpongeBob.
1: Yes, you would definitely know him as that. He went? Did he go to Providence? Yeah, he was. A, he's a Providence College grad, I believe, which is where Jerry went. For the listeners,
0: how many episodes was he in, Mike? He was in 20 episodes. Wow. That's
1: all? Yeah. That's funny. It feels like he's much more present. It is interesting. The number of episodes is, is, it's not generally more or less than you think. It's just different. Whatever the character is, it's different than you think. Yeah. And I think it, it gives you a sense of how long it takes them to create an impression. Elaine has several bosses over the course of the show. She has Mr. Pitt. She has Mr. Peterman. She has, um, uh, why the, the hell can I think of his name right now? Um, The one who kisses her. um, Lipman. Yeah, Mr. Lipman. Like, she has a bunch of bosses, and he's the one who sticks out, but he probably appears in a similar amount of episodes as as all three.
0: Well, just how funny you are on those given episodes. I think it's always you, funny to think about how, like, like I'm sure for you when you're thinking of the Mandelbombs, you're like, oh, they must have been in six, seven episodes, and then you find yeah. out it's only two because they're, their relevance and their weight is more than the number of times they've actually appeared. Totally. Yeah.
2: Hey I can I ask a question? Yeah. Is it time now for the not top ten?
0: Hey wow, look at Jerry. I'm glad we've got his Damn here. right.
1: How would you know? I don't know. Why don't you uh why don't you help us out here and roll the music? hey thanks kevin that was fantastic thanks for playing those funky beats i love that
0: you were just waiting for that jer that's great yeah
1: good work (laughs) thank you um so the not top three is actually i'm only gonna put one character in there because i love all of the characters on this show i love all of them except for one and even the cast will tell you that she was not a good character is susan So Susan is George's longtime fiance and almost wife. The actress actually really didn't get along with the cast. And she just never really felt like she fit into the show. Yeah, she was really flat. She didn't, she didn't, but she didn't really play as a straight man either. Like she didn't work off of them very well she she wasn't a very good character so wasn't a fan of susan i do think she has some funnier moments than people give her credit for like when she turns out that she's a lesbian and kramer seduces her girlfriend is very funny but she's just i don't know she wasn't great but but yep with her comes her parents we're gonna get to them we're gonna get to them uh shortly so she's not great. She's one that is pretty famous for people thinking she wasn't great. But other than that, I, I just hard to think of a character I didn't enjoy. I thought Mike was a little annoying. The guy who says Jerry's a real phony. Get in, he gets in the dispute with George over yeah. the parking space, and he shows up one other time. He was not great, but for the most part, the characters are just very winning. Yeah. Do you have any that kind of jump out at you? Uh
2: no. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to really think about it. And she, she had
1: such a big role that I don't know. Yeah. That's really the only reason is there's expectations for her. Cause other than that, what, you know, you only need somebody to come in and be funny for 10 minutes one time and that's it. Uh, it's funny. I'm jumping ahead and I'm anxious to see the rest of your list because I,
2: I've got 15 people in my head and I know there's only seven spots left. And I yeah. I, I am anxious to see who you have. Go ahead.
0: Kyle, anybody that kind of jumps out of you? Uh, certainly not. But I'm in a I'm in a similar position to Jerry. And that even someone that doesn't really watch that much of the show, I've got I've got seven that I've written down already. So unless the list that I have compiled as a non avid Seinfeld fan is the one you have for your top, I feel like we're gonna have a lot of arguing about who's cracking this.
1: Yeah, there's I'm a, pretty sure there's we'll let know. you know. Yeah, there's a long list of bench. Like there's a there's a, a long bench here. I bet.
0: All right, number seven
1: is probably the most famous supporting character on the show, Newman. Wow. Yep. So Newman is very famous for his catchphrase, "Hello, Jerry." Hello, Jerry. Uh, yes, he's that was good. Thank you. That was actually that was really, really good. good. Yeah, that was that was nicely done. Um, he's just he's very famous for being Jerry's arch nemesis, without really any great explanation for why they hate each other so much, which is very humorous. He is a famously lazy postal worker who does not believe in the sun, you know, neither sun, whatever, rain, nor sleet, nor snow, or whatever the, the phrase is. He does not believe in that. He does not deliver the mail on days uh, when it's, when there's inclement weather. To the
0: point where <laughs> yes. Jerry does his route one time, and they know that it's not him because all the mail gets delivered. <laughs>
1: Yep. And he says nobody's ever cracked the 50% barrier. (laughs) He really wants to get posted to Hawaii because there's no dogs on the route. The air is so dewy sweet. He's got, he's, he's like the ideal bad postal worker. He does hate dogs. He tries to entrap Jerry into a uh, mail fraud investigation. He ends up getting George involved in a uh, mail order pornography sting. But for me, so all of those things are great. I like his antics as opposed to Worker. The best element of Newman is as a foil to Kramer. I love when the two of them are hatching a plan together. So I put I put together my list of some of my favorite sort of Kramer Newman hijinks. <laughs> I really love when they get uh, the the uh, sausage machine, and <laughs> there's the yeah. image, there's the montage of them jumping around with the sausage coming out of the machine. The episode where he has Kramer as his alibi for his parking tickets and he concocts the story about how Kramer really always wanted to be A banker. A banker. And yeah. he's I love the episode where he and Kramer have the really extended game of risk that they're both trying to cheat on. Yep. I come on, hold on. Yeah. You're not gonna the one with the bike. It's the, the bike the, where he's bike, King Solomon. King
2: Solomon. Yep. He's he's dishing out wisdom yep. to help decide who gets the bike. So he,
1: so Elaine and Kramer both want this same little girl's like huffy bike. Yeah. Kramer adjusts Elaine's back, right? She's been having a back problem or her neck. Yeah. And she, he
2: says, he says, if I do your neck and fix it, can I have the bike? And, and she says, of course you can.
1: Yep. And then when it, the time comes, she tries to welch <laughs> and, and then, Newman basically delivers the lesson from the Bible, where King Solomon says he's going to split the bike in half, and Kramer says, I'd rather see Elaine have the bike than the bike be ruined, and he awards the bike to Kramer for his selflessness, because only the true owner of the bike would rather see it possessed by another than see it ruined. But to me, the all-time greatest Kramer and Newman scam is the bottle deposit scam, where Newman and Kr- Newman is talking to Kramer. Newman doesn't understand how bottle deposits work. He thinks that they charge you a cent to recycle the bottle. When Kramer tells him you get a cent, he's so stunned by this. He says, but wait a second. Why do you get five cents for Michigan? And then they run through this scenario where if they collect enough bottles, you know, we take it to Michigan. Kramer's like, it doesn't work. I've run the models. It doesn't work. They realize that the only way to make this work is to make the delivery from New York to Michigan in a mail truck. And I forget what day it is, but they have all these empty mail trucks. So they're going to drive out to Michigan with a truck full of bottles to make the bottle deposit. And they're, he's drinking yoo hoos. There's a montage of him drinking like a hundred yoo hoos. It's, oh, it is gold. It's gold, Jerry. It is gold. Yep, he's a great character. Yeah, I love him. I'm surprised him. to see
0: him this low. To me, he's like Me too. He's probably the most famous Seinfeld character that's not one of the main four to me, but it's interesting. <laughs>
1: he's definitely the most famous. Newman. Alright, so that brings us to number six. One of Wait, how many my, times was Newman yeah, on the show? Forty five. Whoa. So he's by far the most frequent recurring secondary character. Yeah. All right, this brings us to another character who is not on often but who is extremely memorable and also extremely memorable for his hilarious interactions with Kramer. Number 5 is the attorney outlaw, at Jackie Chiles. Wait, are we on 5 or 6? Did I say five? I said I think I said 6, but he appears 5 times. Oh. I may have said that incorrectly, but that's what I meant to say. Okay. So this is number 6, character who appears 5 times, Jackie Chiles. So, Jackie Childs is a spoof of the very famous attorney, Johnny Cochran, who was the lead attorney on OJ Simpson's defense team. And in the 90s, Johnny Cochran is very famous for his very flamboyant style of defense. He loved to use big words. He loved to trap people into really like complicated legal traps. He just, he was just like a made for TV lawyer, which he was because he was on TV. And Seinfeld parodies him in hilarious fashion. Jerry's got a notepad out, and I'm concerned about what he's going to write down. No, no, I was just thinking of some characters, but I can wait. Okay, no, oh, no, no, I thought you were going to make one of your famous drawings. He sometimes does drawings, and they're always vulgar. So Jackie Childs, his most famous phrase is, Outrageous, egregious, preposterous. He loves to make these proclamations. I just listed his three cases that he's on with Kramer. Um... So one is a situation in which Kramer is going to what is a thinly veiled Starbucks. Um, it's some new famous Java place in the nineties and Kramer burns himself because the coffee is too hot. Yeah. So Jackie represents him in this litigation and basically they're negotiating with this company's corporate attorneys and they say, we're willing to give you a lifetime of free coffee. And Kramer says, we'll take the deal. And Jackie doesn't get a chance to listen to the rest of the offer, which was also going to be in like a million dollars. So he's pissed at Kramer. <laughs> then there's a situation where Kramer is distracted by a famous woman, uh, Sue Ellen Mishke, who never wears a bra. She's walking down the street with no bra and she's just, I, I'm sorry, she is wearing a bra, but she's only wearing a bra. And Kramer's distracted, gets into a car accident and wants to sue her. I'm trying to remember what the settlement is. I don't think that they ever disclosed the settlement, but this is the scene where they reenact the if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit scene because Kramer's being advised by his caddy, and he's listening to the caddy's advice over Jackie Child's advice, and he tells him to have Sue Ellen try on the bra to see if it fits, but she tries it on over her leotard, and it doesn't fit, and this episode ends with Jackie saying... If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Yep, you gotta wear it right on your skin. It's gotta fit like a glove, and that's how it ends. Oh my god! Great. Well, isn't she? Isn't she
2: also the uh, heiress to the, o. Henry, to the o. Henry Candy, candy fortune. fortune?
1: Yes, and Elaine's arch nemesis. Yes. Yep. Um, but then my favorite one is where Kramer decides he's gonna really lean into his smoking, and he smokes like. 30 years worth of cigarettes in a week span and he ends up he becomes really ugly he looks he says he looks like a baseball mitt and so he's going to sue marlboro for taking his good looks because without him he's just not kramer right and he ends up jackie Charles represents him and he's trying to get some big settlement he's ready to take on big tobacco and kramer settles speak be- by uh, becoming the, the next marlboro, marlboro, marlboro. man and Jackie's riding in a limousine with Kramer, and he looks up and sees Kramer on a horse, doffing his hat to all of New York City. <laughs> Jackie Childs is great. What was the, uh, was it the coffee spill when he put the bomb
2: on? Who told you to put the bomb Who on? Who told you with the
1: bomb on? Oh, how did I forget <laughs> right? that? Yeah, that's, yeah. The most fa- that's my yeah. favorite line. Yeah, we kidding. say that all the time. Yeah. Who told you to put the bomb on? Nobody knows what a bomb's going to do.
2: You get tiger bomb or something, that super super healed his injuries, and that was going to be a whole nother. Because
1: he has a doctor, he has a special doctor that he calls for these situations where he can get them to exaggerate what the symptoms are, and he gets there and he's all cleared
2: up.
0: Yeah, Kramer Kramer gets some
1: special medicine. Somebody gives him like an herbal balm, and it clears it right up. Yeah, something
0: that he's yeah. You guys say that all the time. Outrageous, egregious. You guys say that all the time. Preposterous. Yeah.
1: Yep. Jackie. Jackie is an all-timer. Uh, number five is a character who we never see his face. Very famously. Jerry, who's number five? Number five is Steinbrenner.
0: Yep. I even knew that. Voiced
1: by Larry. Yes. uh, Voiced by Larry David. Referring to himself always in the third person as Big Stein. Yep. So, Kyle, can you explain to the audience who George Steinbrenner is in case they don't know? Because this is a real person. So,
0: in real life, George Steinbrenner, the late George Steinbrenner, yeah, was the owner. I'm not sure how he amassed his original fortune, but he was the owner. no, either. Very, he was in shipping. Yeah, he, he was had something to do with shipping. Okay, you box them, then you ship them. Yeah, that's what you do, smart ass. <laughs> but he very famously owned the the Yankees through most of their modern streak of success, probably. And their family has owned the Yankees for a long time, I I know. so, And now his sons run the team. But all through the filming of this show, George Steinbrenner owned the Yankees. And if I'm not mistaken, the reason he's on the show is because George works for the Yankees, right?
1: Yes. So George works for the Yankees after being unemployed for a very long time. He gets his dream job working in baseball, but he's the assistant to the traveling secretary. So basically, he books hotels for the team. But it does allow him to rub elbows with these famous people, including Mr. Steinbrenner. What's important for the context of the show is this is very much a New York show. it's, It's like it's very strong sense of place in New York. And in the 90s, there probably was no more famous New Yorker than George Steinbrenner. He was always in the news. He's one of those owners who meddled way too much. And when the show began, he was known as a terrible owner. His team sucked. The Mets were the good team. Keith Hernandez actually shows up as himself for a couple episodes, hilariously. The show then sort of pivots to becoming a Yankees show because the Yankees then are really good. So when we'll get to this a little bit later on a character who wishes Mr. Steinbrenner did a better job. that. Early on in the show, he has to pay for how bad the Yankees were for a little while. But as the show goes on, the team gets better and better. I didn't know this, but the reason that Steinbrenner is played off screen by Larry David is they actually asked the real George Steinbrenner to make an appearance on the show, and he wouldn't. And so sort of as revenge, they had him become this ridiculous caricature played off screen by Larry David. Billy Martin. <laughs> Billy So, okay, so I actually put a couple. So he famously hired Billy Martin as coach of the Yankees. Tw- I think he only hired him twice. Yeah. But he goes through the list. And Jerry and I must say this once a week. Billy, Billy Martin. Martin Billy Buck B- Showalter. Yeah. Billy Martin. Martin. He goes through the list of coaches he's fired because he fired so many. He keeps saying Billy Martin. One of my favorite episodes is where George starts getting him lunch, and he becomes addicted to the calzones. And he smells the calzones through the heating system, goes hunting around for the calzones. (laughs) One, George George is trying to get fired by the Yankees. And so he intentionally, I think it's strawberries he gets all over the Babe Ruth uniform. He wears Babe Ruth's uniform and gets strawberries all over it. And Mr. Steinbrenner decides they've got to kill the past. So he's going to start disrespecting all the memorabilia, too. And he puts on Lou Gehrig's uniform, but then gets worried that Lou Gehrig's disease might be contagious. (laughs) So he's up to all kinds of shenanigans. He reports to George's parents that George has died because George leaves his car at the stadium. And then Kramer takes it to get a car wash, crashes it, drives it back. He thinks that George has heroically tried to drive the car back, but is lost and dead. And so he goes. This is like the old, one of the few times he ever leaves Yankee Stadium. He goes to George's parents' house to tell them that he's dead. <laughs> he also tries to scalp Yankee tickets. Yep. He he sends George to Cuba to deal with Fidel Castro, so we can get a pipeline to Cuban baseball talent. He trades George to Tyler's chickens. Yes. There, there's a lot of uh, Steinbrenner. How many? How many do just, you see him? He, he's in sixteen episodes. That's it. Yeah, he's another
2: one that I feel like is felt throughout the series pretty heavily, even though he's not making a lot of appearances, and you never see his face. Never. Like I said, it's always they're very the committed to the yeah. bit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Even I know the famous uh, Steinbrenner in Seinfeld.
1: Big Stein. Big Stein. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Larry David is so perfect for that. All right number four and this is a couple morty and helen seinfeld yeah so morty and helen seinfeld appear in about 21 episodes I, I it's hard to get exact total because they're yeah initially the father is played by a different character blah 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 blah. but they've there have been about 20 episodes their imprint on this show is very large they loom very large so i just want to give a couple of my highlights of the parents, uh, a couple for Morty, a couple for Helen. Jerry, I know, is probably the world's biggest Morty Seinfeld fan. He's awesome. I'd say, is that fair to yeah. say? I think there's probably nobody out there who loves Morty Seinfeld as yeah. much as you do. He's Willie Loman. He is Willy, but Loman. But a funny Willie Loman. Well, because he not had the fan. trench coat thing. Right. He sold trench coats with, I forget what the guy's name is, but he's always <laughs> dropping these names of these people he was in business with back, Fifty years ago, yeah. he sold. He he invented the uh, the beltless trench coat. That's right, he did. Um So, a couple of things. He's got the tip calculator. So Jerry decides to be nice to his parents. so He gets his dad uh, like a uh, basically a palm pilot called a wizard, and Mr. Seinfeld just uses it to calculate tips, and importantly, to calculate incredibly small tips. He's tipping like two cents on two dollar meals, tipping five cents on thirty dollar meals. He's, he's a very stingy tipper. He has the trench coats that he gets into some whole big scam with Kramer. He comes up. He, he like regains all of his youthful swagger when he comes back up from the retirement community in Florida. He comes to New York City to make a big deal with Kramer. I love. What was the deal? They were going to sell, they were going to sell the trench coats, weren't they? Yeah, but didn't he get involved with the, uh, the bro? Well they did have the that was actually George's dad. Yeah, but they got Morty involved. Did they get Yeah, they did get Morty yeah, involved because he was bro- in the business. Yeah, he right? he was in the clothing business back in the day. He's ridiculous. Um, a couple of things I love about Mrs. Seinfeld. She said, she hates Newman as much as Jerry. Remember, she yes. says, hello, Newman, one time, which was great. But her, her most famous line is, how can anybody not like you? She's very bothered by the idea that anybody would not like Jerry. Like, very bothered by this idea. But Jerry's parents are probably most famous for their tandem phone calls. He has a phone call with them every couple episodes where they're both on the phone at the same time. They're big cord phones in their very, very hot because they don't believe in air conditioning. They're very hot house in Florida.
2: It's funny too. They're great. If you recall the episode where Jerry finds out that Kramer's been talking to his parents, yes, and keeping him up to date because mm-hmm. he's not doing a good job as a son.
1: Yep, that kind of hits close to home. That does hit very have to close get into to home the whole for Jerry.
2: Reason why, but it does.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Um, I I think Mr. Seinfeld. My favorite storyline for him is uh, when he become when he gets impeached. <laughs> he's the president of Del Boca Vista, the retirement community where they live. And his arch nemesis Jack Klompus leads an effort to impeach him, <laughs> and then he does the he does the Nixon right. He does after he gets impeached. They they uh, imitate the Nixon going on to Air or Marine One and does the peace signs. They oh, it's great. It is great. They're four. They were number four. Okay, so that brings us to the honorable mentions, of which there are many. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna run through the list quickly and then give you three that are legitimate honorable mentions. If could that we, works, true. could we
2: do the get through the three and then do the honorable mentions? Would that because uh, I'm just thinking of people that like on your list that I have it,
0: in mind. It might be yeah. fun to just see how many Jerry can get. Right, And then, Mike, you can supplement, maybe, if he doesn't get your whole list.
1: Like on the honorable mentions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so well, I'll do the top three, and then you do what you think are the honorables, and then I'll just help?
2: Yeah, because I'm anxious to hear what you have, but I, I don't, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking of these people and who
1: you might have missed. Uh, okay. Whenever. All right. So I... All right, so number three is David Putty. So David Putty is Elaine's on-again, off-again boyfriend. Oh, played... yes,
0: he's the best.
1: Yes, he is the best. You know what he would say to that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um He's voiced by or played by Patrick Warburton. Yes, he who is. voices Joe on Family Guy. He's also in the, was it Hertz rental car commercials? Yes.
0: He's in a bunch he's of very, stuff.
1: Yeah, he's famous for just having a great voice, very distinctive looking dude. But the crazy thing is this was before he had that brand. This was just yeah. Some guy who was playing Elaine's boyfriend for an episode or two, and the show realized it had struck gold because he and Elaine have a hilarious chemistry.
2: Don't don't you wonder about a character like him where he's got such a strong personality and it's so offbeat? I always wonder did did the creators make him that way, yeah. or did they bring him in and he just sort of had a way of ad libbing? It's gotta be whatever, that right because he's so dry and he's so funny, and I just I can't imagine that someone conjured that up. Without having seen him or talked yeah. to him, I, or it's just interesting.
0: I feel like Jerry Seinfeld must have purchased a car from someone like that because that's yeah because the yeah. way he's like he just switches back to oh you're uh your muffler fee and like you know all the like random stuff that oh, he's bringing the, the under for. the
1: underbody protection yeah. Simonizing
2: Simonizing when he's doing the tally on, yeah. on what the car is going to cost because he's fighting with Elaine and mm-hmm. he's going to stick it to Jerry. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's right. People might awesome. recognize him as uh so if they watch series of unfortunate events, he's the narrator and Lemony Snicket. And probably most famously, he voices Kronk in the Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I forgot about that. Good point. Yeah. Um <laughs> He's a great, great I character. Kn- he's
1: awesome. I noted a couple of the highlights of Putty. Other than it's just like the funniest thing is just the back and forth with the lane. Yeah. Um, the two of them just can't keep their hands off each other. They're always like breaking up and then they make out and they just like they, they break up because they are not alike at all and then they can't help it and they get back together. The plane ride where they're breaking up and she's having a conversation with vegetable lasagna and they're both insulting this guy very loudly on the plane is great. But uh, a couple of the things I love is when Elaine discovers he's religious and he's because he's got a Jesus fish on his car and she is <laughs> on his radio and it's on all the Christian rock stations and they have a conversation about how he thinks she's going to hell, and she's like, does that bother you? I was like, I'm not the one going to hell.
0: <laughs>
1: so there's the fact that he's religious, he's a face painter, he goes to the New Jersey Devils game, and he paints his face, he has the eight ball jacket, and he's he's wearing this, Yeah, he's wearing, this, eight ball. He's wearing this ridiculous leather jacket with an eight ball on it, and anytime Elaine asks him a question, he points at the back of his shirt and just, ask the eight ball. And <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> He's he's great, I think, too, because you expect him to be really dumb. Yeah. And in some ways he is. Oh, yeah. But one of my favorites is Kramer decides he's wasting too much time. Yeah. And so he's not only going to take a shower, but he's going to prepare his food in the shower to save time. Yep. And it turns out he needs a garbage disposal. And so he doesn't know who to turn to because the thing is jammed up. And he calls Putty and he's describing it to him. And Putty says, what do you got, Clarkman? And it, it's, you sit there and think,
1: how does Putty know what he has? Putty's a dipshit. But somehow he figures it out. It's awesome. But that, you know what that is helpful with? is That brings us to another thing about Putty, which is that he's a germaphobe. Because Putty finds out that Kramer has prepared the salad that he has at dinner in the shower and loses his mind because he is a huge germaphobe. Um, he wears a little chain with a germ on it. He really doesn't like the term "grease monkey," which has led to probably our most used line from Seinfeld. We don't like that term. <laughs> yeah. We we don't like that term. He's also big into high fiving, which Elaine hates. He's high just five. he's high five. <laughs> he's a parody of like idiotic boyfriends, but he's I think what you pointed out. You're right. He's funny because he's not actually that idiotic. He's no. just a kind of a goon. But he's outsmarting them pretty much the whole show. He's definitely outsmarting Elaine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He has a very particular
1: set of skills. He does.
0: How many episodes, Mike? He's in 10, okay. which is
1: way less than you'd think. Wow. Okay. He's a very efficient player. 10 episodes. He's, he's outstanding. All right. Number two, uh, an actor who actually just passed <laughs> very recently. Uh, I don't know the actor's name and I don't care. He plays Uncle Leo on the show. Uncle Leo is most famous for his line. Come on, Jerry. What does he always say? About his his nephew? Well, that too. He says, Hello! Hello. He says hello all the time. Every time. Hello, Jerry. Hello. He just says hello all the time. Jerry gets caught doing something one time. I forget what. And he just says to Uncle Leo, Hello. Um, Isn't. Uncle Leo,
0: but yes. Jerry's always goes, ah, Uncle Leo. Like he doesn't want to talk to him, right? Never, because Uncle
1: Leo only wants to talk about his nephew, nephew. Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. who's <laughs> the
2: <good laughs> job, the big job at the Parks Department. He's a
1: park <laughs> ranger. Yep. He stop talking about that. All he wants, wants talking about, about
0: is Jeffrey.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he only wants to talk about Jeffrey. <laughs> He's great. He one time picks up a package for Jerry and signs it, Uncle Leo. In that same episode, the package explodes. It's actually a gas leak, but Jerry's afraid that he's going to be bombed, so that's why he won't sign for the package. Uncle Leo signs for it as Uncle Leo. There's a gas leak, it explodes. Uncle Leo's eyebrows are burnt off. He then goes to the doctor, and in one of the most hilarious visuals on the show, Elaine pencils some eyebrows on him, and the doctor thinks he's angry because they're sort of angry eyebrows. (laughs) It's a great sequence, but the best episode of Uncle Leo's entire run on the show it's just one of the best episodes ever is he is stealing from this bookstore Brentano's and Jerry rats him out, but he only wants to scare uncle Leo. He asks the security guard just to put a scare into him, but he doesn't realize that uncle Leo has priors. Oh, no. And uncle Leo has this unspecified crime of passion in his past. And so as a result of Jerry sticking them on uh, uncle Leo, And Uncle Leo's scammed to pretend he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, I'm an old man. I'm confused. It doesn't work. He ends up getting arrested. And he swears his revenge on Jerry. And there's a very famous sequence where Jerry has a nightmare of him as uh, the character, the Gregory Peck slash Robert De Niro character in Cape Fear. Yep. Where... Uncle Leo, they Photoshop Uncle Leo's face onto this really buff tattooed body and show him doing chin ups. But as he finishes each chin up, he says, Hello, Jerry. And on his hands, it's it was hate and fear, yeah. right? Is it yeah. the real tattoo? It's a very famous tattoo where each finger, each knuckle is tattooed hate and fear. But instead, one hand says hello and the other hand says Jerry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's great.
0: Uh, how many episodes I for know. him?
2: 15.
0: Wow. Yeah. I think
2: your top choice has got to be obvious. I, th- I, I think I, think I, I have Yeah. Well, who do you guys think it is?
0: I don't know his last name. Th- I think it's George's dad.
2: Yeah, it's got to be Frank.
0: It is Frank and Estelle Costanza. Yeah.
2: Jerry, you want to explain the Costanzas? They're, they're great. They're like an old married couple and they have all the stereotypical things that you think about them. Frank has a horrible temper. <laughs> he
1: sure Estelle does. Estelle
2: has a temper. They yep. spend a lot of the time snipping at each other. They have their kid, uh, George, who they can't get rid of, who, who somehow won't grow up. They can't get him to grow up quickly enough. And it, it, you can't watch them without listening to them just raise their voice at one another, get really frustrated. For you know, no reason. For no reason. The, the, they'll fight over the stupidest little things, right? They, yeah. they were fighting over how to how to cook an egg. Yes. Yeah, they Remember, actually how, you, how to fry an egg. Like, yep. I think you talked about in a prior episode how important it was to know how to make an egg, right? And it's like this is a simple thing, and they're fighting over. It. They're they're great.
1: Yeah, they're incredible. Kyle, are you familiar with the Costanzas? Do you I, have enough background with them? Yeah, def- well, at least
0: Frank. He just the way he speaks is so unique and identifiable. <laughs> like, everything he says is instantly a quote, just because of the way he says it. But then yeah. on top of that, he's got a number of incredible quotes that are memorable in their own right. So when combined, yeah. you've got like some real. Real television gold, some real magic. Yeah, uh, especially the the festivist stuff. Cameron quotes Frank Costanza at nauseum. It's he's got a lot.
1: <laughs> that is true. I've actually noticed that he has a real affinity for Frank Costanza, which is smart because he's one of the funniest characters in television history. Yeah,
2: I I would love to know how much time he appeared in each episode. Like, like yeah, I'm thinking of two to me that are. I mean, Estelle is great. Yep. But boy, the one where he helps Kramer cook. Uh,
1: it's
0: for one the, of for the funniest episodes. The Jewish singles. History. Do you want to uh, explain
2: that one? They, they, Kramer's looking to make some money and he decides that he's going to host an event for Jewish singles. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know how to cook anything. So Kramer is experimenting with cooking and it's not going very well. And so he's screwing
1: up the lock keys and the Kugel.
2: Yep. And he knows that Frank was a cook in the Korean War. Oh, I believe in a very talented chef. And so, so he talks Frank into coming out of retirement to cook after, you know, much, much begging and pleading. Frank agrees to do it. And what ensues is he makes this wonderful dinner. Uh, at this big event, it's a huge success. All these singles are there, and he has a flashback to because he sees the guy
1: from the mailroom. He
2: sees him from the mailroom choking. He all he's doing is coughing. It's no big deal, and he flashes back to a time during the war when he had taken some old meat, seasoned it up, thought he could make something of it with I, just
1: the right combination <laughs> of
2: spices. I don't remember the number, but he he calls out that he sent. 50 of his own men to the latrines that night. They're, they're stomach sick, but he turns it into this major issue. And so. Slow
1: motion, music's oh, it's, playing, it's, guys it's, are throwing up in their hats. The I think my favorite part of this flashback is it's supposed to have happened 50 years before, and it's actual Jerry Stiller as an 80 year old man playing himself. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. supposed to be 30, yeah. but it's actually
2: yeah. him. His hair's a little more red. Yeah. Or something, right? Yeah, he's great. That one, um, but that feels like a long episode, and you already referred to it, the Festivus
1: episode. Yep.
2: Oh, my gosh.
1: I mean, my favorite line from all – well, my two favorite. One is at Festivus, he tells George's boss, Mr. Kruger, hey, Kruger. Instead of Kruger, hey, Kruger, my son tells me you're a terrible boss. And then Fr- Estelle says, George, fight your father.
2: Yeah.
1: Um those are that's just i mean festivus is uh, it's iconic like everybody knows festivus the korean war episode is incredible one of the best episodes ever is the contest and that all starts because estelle catches george having some alone time at their house and she, oh my god and she ends up getting hurt george keeps visiting her in the hospital and and as he's visiting her in the hospital, she's complaining about how everything hurts. And she can't believe he's abusing himself the way he has been. <laughs> All while there's a beautiful nurse sponge bathing a beautiful patient. And George is really distracted. And she's just like, Georgie, I'm hungry. But he won't give her any food because he's too busy being distracted by the nurse and the sponge bath. There's the episode when Frank and Estelle uh make... <laughs> <laughs> find a, a van in the woods and the van is a oh rocking and some people come a knocking as they're knocking boots in the van yep. there's the episode with the bro where frank is actually the model yep. trying on the bro there's the episode where he well all the time he's always insulting Stein- uh, steinbrenner for the bad trades he's made how did you trade Buner and my one of my favorite freeze frames in the show's history is when Frank. Yep, yep exactly. When, when Elaine's going to haul off and oh, smack yeah.
2: Frank because, because he got his boy in trouble. Exactly.
1: George is yeah. trying to be a bad boy. Elaine says, you know, something about how he's a bad egg, and he says, "You want a piece of me?" And she says, "I want the whole thing." And the episode ends with the two of them squaring up to punch each other. Uh, there's the serenity now, insanity serenity now. later. <laughs> yep. Yep. Then there's the whole Lloyd Braun situation. He starts selling computers with his dad. The mom keeps asking why he can't, George can't be more like Lloyd Braun. One of my all time favorite episodes is when George's parents meet Susan's parents and they're having Cornish Game Hen and Frank is asking about what the difference is between a chicken, a hen, and a rooster. And the Rosses are very wealthy and sophisticated and he's like, I don't understand. Who's having sex with the chicken? And they're explaining to him that they're all chickens, and it's the hen is having sex with the rooster. Long story short, they bring uh, a loaf of bread to dinner, but the Rosses don't put it out on the table, so Frank steals the loaf back because he's so insulted that they haven't served the loaf. George has an elaborate situation where he tries to get the loaf back in there. I think the Costanzas are the best secondary characters on the show.
0: Yeah, as someone who doesn't, like I said a thousand times already, I don't really watch Seinfeld, but I know a number of quotes from him. He's instantly recognizable. I think it's fair to say that he's the, the greatest of the minor characters on the show. And I would, I would be surprised. I guess we already said that Newman has more appearances than he does, but I would think he's got to be close to the second, second highest in terms of total appearances. I, so I believe the Costanzas are. They appear in 27 episodes. Okay.
1: Which is shocking that they appear in more episodes than the Seinfelds. I have a feeling that late in the show, they might have stacked up. Because I think later on in the show, they realized just what a gem they had on their hands. And you get a lot of Frank and Estelle as the show goes on. Well,
2: the original Seinfeld father changed also somewhere along the line, which may have made him...
0: Well, it was only the first season, I believe, that it was the other actor. Because I tried to watch Seinfeld all the way through a few months back, and I stalled out. But... I remember being like really jarred. I was like, and then, and then it switched and I was like, okay, that's better. And it wasn't too far in, but it was a weird, that's the weirdest thing when they switch up actors on you like that.
1: Yeah. It's very uncomfortable, but luckily they never did that. Well, they technically did. They filmed one episode with a different Frank Costanza, but then
0: in, uh, they refilmed it with Jerry Stiller. Thank God. Yeah. All right. You guys want to do some honorable mentions?
1: Yeah, let's buzz through these cuz we have got a we have done a lot. Yep. So, Mr.
2: Kruger. Yeah. I mean, Kruger Kruger is great. He's George's boss. He he I think it was one season, maybe that he was on multiple Probably times, just one I don't season, remember yeah. how many times, but he was almost a recurring character and he was great. He actually went on after that to be in Malcolm in the Middle. He yeah. was the, uh, drill the drill instructor. drill mm. instructor. For with the hook with the hook yeah um he's just funny yeah. I, he's got a very dry sense of humor i i i mean he doesn't belong in the list i don't think but he's very he's funny. pretty
1: darn close because he has some hilarious back and forth with george about going out on a high note he has the whole uh skin cancer yeah oh my god the, the, sequence
0: the picture with him his family on the beach yep
1: the two
2: hispanic gay guys yes those guys are great <laughs> they're they Awesome! Yeah. they're in it. They're in a few episodes, and they're always good. And they're, they're always cool. yelling at us. You don't want to wear the reborn, and it's great that they're mean. Yeah, they're or, really mean. Like they're thugs, fighting the stereotype. They're they're two thugs. Yeah, You don't expect much. They're gonna beat Kramer.
1: Up. Yeah, don't just, they scare Kramer
0: away from the armor? Yes. Yes, yes, they do.
1: Yes, they do. And there's also an episode that does not air anymore. I forget exactly what people didn't like about it. I think it was offensive to Puerto Rican people. But there's an episode about the Puerto Rican Day Parade, and they figure prominently into it. It's just you don't see it because it's not on TV anymore. But they're also funny in that one. Okay, yes, they're big in that episode. They pulled that.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I said Susan's parents. You already you already sort of mentioned them. They're they're great. A
1: couple things about them. The Rusty. (laughs) They take a a handsome cab ride with Kramer, (laughs) where the horse is farting on them from the Beefarito. From the (laughs) Beefarino, they have all the interactions with the Costanzas. The dad had a love affair with the famous author John Cheever. That's right. And they're reading those old letters that are very, very graphic about their sex life. Yeah. They have the whole yes. They have the whole thing about the foundation where they put George in charge of the Susan Ross Foundation after she dies. And the mom, the mom is just so hard to look
2: at, and, and drunk all. Always drunk. She's just, she's just always drunk. She's great. I like her. These are yep. These um, are not
0: the yeah. ones that she. Uh, she's trying to get, or George is trying to get this woman to sign his unemployment. But he's dating her daughter. Oh my god! Is that something yes, different? That's
1: Mrs. Sokol. Yep. No, that's Mrs. Sokol. Where he's pretending that the daughter is just this beautiful girl, so that she'll. That's right. Uh, so that she'll sign off that he's been trying to find a job. Yeah, not Susan. I though. love Mrs. Sokol though. That's actually the Keith Hernandez sequence of episodes yep. because he tells her he can get her to meet Keith Hernandez. Yeah. I'm Keith Starts Hernandez. Starts with the ball, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that's great. Um, who else do I have here? I don't know her name. the The lady with the Jewish rye. She's only yes, in a couple of episodes. Yes, Mrs. Choate. Yes, so Mrs. Choate is her name. She's great. I mean, she's in a couple of episodes. The old biddy. Yep.
1: Right? She's- Shut up, you old bag. Yep. She's- Jerry steals the loaf from her. Yep. But then she but but she comes back. Do you remember where she comes back? Well in court. She comes back at the at the end to But even that but even before that she recognizes Jerry because she moves down to Del Boca Vista because of all the crime in New York City. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's during
2: the impeachment that it dawns on her. That it dawns on her who
1: Jerry is, and she tells everybody that they should vote to impeach Morty because their son is a criminal who stole a marble rye from her. Yep. Um, I also like I
2: um, his name is escaping me. The anti dentite Yes, Dr. Watley. Doctor Watley. Dr. Tim Watley. Played, of course, by Brian Cranston. Yep. Yeah. Tim Watley. Tim Watley is great.
1: Well, don't forget the best thing about him is when he puts his patients under. There's oh. there's some concern that he's been <laughs> acting inappropriately in the office while the patients are under. He's takes uh, one of the funniest things that ever happens on that show, which was apparently an Im- well, a little improvisation by Brian Cranston is he fakes, takes a hit off of the laughing gas, right? Before he puts Jerry under just to show what a badass dentist he is, he takes a little hit off laughing gas. Oh, that's on.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Because he's going to have an adults only dental office when he's putting out penthouse and playboy. <sighs> he dates Elaine for mm-hmm. a little bit. Remember he goes to the Super Bowl with her. Yep. Oh my God. How about, how about, uh,
2: the rabbi? How yep. are we forgetting the rabbi? Mm-hmm. He, Why, Elaine? <laughs> he's great. Mm-hmm. Who did you have?
1: Lloyd Braun, oh, of Lloyd. course, yep. George's childhood rival. Sue Ellen Mischke, the heiress to the O. Henry Candy Fortune and the Braless Wonder. Uh, Mr. Pitt, Elaine's British boss, who one time accidentally masquerades as Hitler during the merger of uh, such and such in Molen Springs. Molen <laughs> Springs. Molin Springs. Yep. Um, Mickey kramer's little person best friend yep. who's also an actor who gets in trouble for heightening he's heightening he's he also, lifts in his shoes yep because he's a stand-in for a child actor on a soap, soap opera yep. he and kramer also play um remember they do the medical oh school he yep. has gonorrhea yep yep <laughs> mr wilhelm Yep. Who's very funny. Mr. Wilhelm and Mr. Morgan are both uh, George's immediate superiors on the Yankees. They're both very funny. Mr. Wilhelm gets taken in by a cult of cleaning people. Mm. Banya. Yep. The best, Jerry. The best. Yep. Uh, Poppy. Poppy is sloppy. Poppy's a little sloppy. Yep. He pees on Jerry's couch. <laughs> um, there's the manager of monks. Yep. Who's always like leaning into their conversations. Bob Sacamano, who's not real, we don't think, but he's always in, featured prominently in Kramer's stories. His friend Bob Sacamano gets some sort of bad surgery. Oh, hey, my name is Bob. And, oh, FDR. Yes, Franklin Delano Romanowski <laughs> is another of Kramer's guys. but He's real. How about the bizarro? Yeah, the, yeah, the bizarros. They're not recurring, no, but I they are. Do. They're great. Crazy Joe Davola. Especially early on is good. He masquerades as Paliachi that one time. Uh Babu bot. Babu's great. He opens a restaurant in the yeah. neighborhood, but he serves too many different types of cuisine. So Jerry tells him to focus on Pakistani food and it ends up bankrupting Babu and he hates Jerry. Was that before or after he got deported? He gets supported later because of Jerry. You're a very bad and, man, of, Jerry. <laughs> a very, or because of Elaine. Because Elaine and George don't give Jerry his mail. Yeah. yep. The rabbi. B- Babs Kramer. Kramer's mom, uh, who is a bathroom attendant. The Drake. the Drake. The Drake is not actually all that funny of a character, but his off-screen persona of hate the Drake is very amusing. That's what I got. That's There's... There's some others, but that's like yeah, a pretty that's... exhaustive list.
0: I, I'm i shocked. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah. Why does the Soup Nazi not count?
1: I want to say the Soup Nazi only appears in one oh, episode and then the finale.
0: But didn't Alton Benes only appear in one episode? I guess this is true. Are we we talking recurring characters? I I imagine a lot of the people... No, this is secondary secondary characters. You're right. The Soup
1: Nazi deserves a place and probably deserves a very high place. The Soup
0: Nazi is amongst the most famous Seinfeld characters ever. Everyone knows the Soup Nazi
1: you're right except the fans i think i think it was because i mixed and matched the recurring versus secondary a little bit Mm. but yes because i'm allowing because this is not technically recurring it's more
0: secondary he definitely deserves a place and a very high one at that okay you we've mentioned keith hernandez a bunch of times but i i love when he's on the show who does this guy think he is i'm keith hernandez (laughs) he's amazing i mean it's one of the funniest two
1: episode streaks ever and it's before he was a tv personality too it's worth noting
0: the only other one i know is (laughs) only because we have a friend who is obsessed with these minor characters even though i'm pretty sure they only appear in one episode it's the van buren boys (laughs) yes i do like the van b boys so that's a good one those are the only ones that I had, but I think the Soup Nazi probably warrants consideration. Soup Nazi's probably something like top five. I would think so. Yeah. yeah,
1: I agree. I mean, he's also just
0: hilarious. Not only is he famous and culturally relevant, he's really funny. You can't even talk about soup without someone bringing it up. Like, if you go to get yeah. soup for lunch, the over-under on half-times the Soup Nazi gets brought up is, you take that over no matter what. Absolutely. I mean think about it it's a character so funny and so notable that it's allowing
1: us all to be very comfortable saying the word nazi in friendly conversation good point my goodness like before that because people now say like a big one is grammar nazi people say a lot i do not say that because outside of this one context you, you quickly realize how offensive this construction is yeah. it's a really dark and offensive thing it's just that the humor of this situation is so <laughs> overwhelming that it allows us to overcome this great stigma about invoking this group
0: yeah it, it diffuses the horrible horrible connotation of that term somehow which is larry, i mean that is the yeah.
1: genius yeah. The absolute genius of larry david and jerry seinfeld like that's that is talent right Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I'm not going to have a ton of input on how this is reordered or rearranged. I'm sure, Jerry, you have thoughts?
2: I'm on board with it. You know, it's funny. They're so hard to distinguish. Yeah. And you can just sit here. I mean, we could talk for hours about it. And you mentioned, you know, a guy that's in one episode is terrific. And they have their place. And, you know, how do you want to rank them? Do you want to rank them by cultural reference? If so, the Soup Nazi has to be number one. He's – Everybody knows that. They might not know Frank and Estelle, but they know him. So no, I don't have any qualms with the list. I think it's, it's, could be, you could add, you
0: could replace these with five people. That's that's the crazy thing. So
2: great is that, you know, it depends on which show you're talking about and, um, all great.
0: Yeah. from my perspective, it's like, I, I lean more towards the characters that have relevance to people that aren't huge fans of the show. So like my top three would look, would look like frank and then the soup nazi and then newman probably because those are the three Mm -hmm. characters that might and then probably like peterman because like those characters recur a lot and i know who they are even though i'm not an avid fan but i don't think that's necessarily how it should be ordered it's just something to consider
1: but it's definitely it it carries some weight i think it's important like i i actually even considered not ranking newman but Because Newman's not my favorite character. Mm -hmm. I do, I did after thinking about it realize that he has some pretty hilarious stuff, but he's just so important to the show that you couldn't leave him off for in favor of a Mr. Bennis who's so funny and to big fans of the show, iconic, but not to, I mean, nobody knows Mr. Bennis other than diehard fans.
2: The thing about Newman to me that's interesting is I,
1: I don't think he's that funny. Like oh, a, he, he is. You have to think about it. That was my initial reaction, but then I started thinking about his storylines.
2: But he's more. He's more
1: to me. He's more physical humor. Yeah, physical comedy. Like I, I picture him
2: running down the road with his short little legs, and and he's funny. Yeah, he's funny in that way. Um, like him a, a lot. I, I I don't. But I could see how you could leave him off the list. But
1: that's. I think that's an important bit of perspective of the diehard fan versus the casual fan mm-hmm. or non fan is. The idea that we are such big fans that we have such a embarrassment of riches that we could rank Newman off the list is crazy. But you could do it. But you could, but only if you're a no. crazy crazy fan. Yep. Guilty. So I think I think basically we should drop the Soup Nazi in at 4 above Morty and Helen.
0: Okay? And then just slide back. That that I would be comfortable with that. I'm I'm leaving this up to you guys. I I'm I'm happy with that move and I'm comfortable with the rest of it if you are. Jerry, are you okay with that? Absolutely. Okay. Booyah. So that drops the Mandel
1: bombs off the list, which just seems like a damn shame, but I'm willing to do it. What are you They're eleven do? with an asterisk? They are 11 with an asterisk. All right, Kyle,
0: it feels like we may have a list. It does feel that way. Yeah. Would you be interested in recapping said list for our uh, wonderful viewership, our listenership? Jerry, would you like to do us the honors?
1: I would love to, but I can't see it. You can see it. We'll zoom. Your old <laughs> eyes will
0: see.
2: <laughs> wow. All right. So, number 10 is we have Steinbrenner.
1: Nope. Yep. What are you doing? Number 10. Oh, I thought, you, what's that list? Uh, ignore that. Oh, I see. Number 10. number 10
2: is Mr. Bennis. Number nine is Jay Peterman. Number eight is Newman. Newman. Number seven is Jackie Childs, the attorney. Number six is Steinbrenner. Five is Morty and Helen. Uh, Seinfeld. Jerry's Seinfeld, Jerry's mom and dad. Uh, the Soup Nazi is four. David Putty, <laughs> yeah, that's right, is number three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Leo is two. Hello. Is, uh, hello. Hello, Jerry. Uh, Frank and Estelle Costanza are number one. And there you go. I got oh, all right. the problems with you people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're going to hear about yeah. it. You are going to hear about it. That's such a great concept. We, maybe some future cast would be Festivus because <laughs> I have a lot of problems with all you people. <laughs> I, I'd be happy to create a Festivus list of yeah. crap that bugs me.
0: I think that'd oh be boy, great. We
2: could celebrate
1: Festivus. I'd
0: also enjoy visiting you guys to celebrate Festivus sometime.
1: Defeats of strength. Yeah. Do you have the pole? We'll have to get that out of the app. We'll have to find the pole.
2: <laughs> but he says, I'm sorry. And then he started, I started the rain down balls upon him. <laughs> for, the, for George wants a doll. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's funny.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. Oh,
1: <laughs> my gosh. Boy. All right, All right uh do you want to talk about some stuff?
0: Well, I would just like to point out that the Incomparable Kevin Cloud put together our theme music and the Not Top 3 music, which was cued today by our very own Jerry. I would yeah. also like to mention that our artwork was created by Erin Sant. And again, if you wanted to see more of her stuff, you could do so at Sant Design on Instagram.
1: I think that's true. And if you were looking for our stuff on the old internets, you could check out our Twitter at Top10KM, our Instagram, Top10KM, mm-hmm. our Facebook group, Top10Asterisk, with Kyle and Mike. Yep. Uh, you could probably send us an email if you wanted, if you had any suggestions, if you wanted to be on the pod yourself. We read the email. We do read the email. We respond. We have no idea. We always respond none zero on well we probably got one or two scam emails from like somebody else tried to log into our account but other than that we have no unreads that's top 10 km at gmail.com all of these the 10 is spelled out t-e-n mm-hmm. uh and if you wanted to check us out on a different platform for podcasts, check us out at the apple podcast app stitcher
0: spotify podbean wherever the hell you get your podcasts that's it and a, a huge thank you to jerry and a huge thank you to Jerry.
1: We needed you for this one. Yeah.
2: Thank you for having me on. It was a real uh, real pleasure. I, to have the, the third seat is a, is a real honor. Yes. Um, I,
1: well, you will be graduating to the second or first seat very soon, I'm sure. Yeah. No, we'll see. Get ya. comfy. So, we'll, we'll have you back soon. Sounds good. You won't have thank to wait you. a year this time. No, it won't be a, w- a year again. Sounds great. All right. All right. Night, buddy. See you Adios. Stop tapping your feet. You got You're doing something with your feet down there. Sorry, Take bro. your Crocs off or something. Yep.